0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So this is, I mean, everyone knows that this is Jesus' first miracle. Jesus turned water into wine. Everybody knows that, and everybody knows also, it seems, that he made a lot of wine. And if you want proof that everybody knows this, like every bartender seems to know this. Okay? Because all you have to do is be outed as clergy and be holding a glass of wine, and you will realize that everybody knows, hey, did you know that Jesus' first miracle was making a lot of wine? And then also, it was a lot of wine, so maybe we better have some more wine. Also, Pastor, wouldn't you like four or five more glasses of wine? Because Jesus. Because it's amusing to overserve the clergy, right? But actually, there's something, of course, much more profound that Jesus is doing than just giving gallons and gallons of wine to people. Um, as I was thinking about this story this week, the line was in my head from that hymn, O oh Lord, how shall I meet you? That hymn that we sing a lot in Advent. And the line is the line that goes, I stood my shame bemoaning, you came to honor me. I stood my shame bemoaning you came to honor me because this gospel story about turning water into wine is really all about Jesus bringing honor and glory out of shame and embarrassment. Now shame, shame is that fear of being uncovered. It is that fear of having undesirable things or embarrassing actions or unfortunate decisions that we have made revealed to the scrutiny of the world. Or or shame is also the, and this is much more common than we perhaps think. Shame is the experience of having been exposed and violated by what others have done to you. Shame is the belief, the experience, that I am unacceptable and that if they only knew or if God was actually paying attention and I were exposed, I would be rejected by those that I love and I would be condemned by God. And the opposite of that shame is honor. And honor happens when we are presented to the world, and the eyes that see you admire you, and the mouths that talk about you are praising you. I stood my shame bemoaning. You came to honor me. Jesus came to bring honor out of shame. And the situation at the wedding of Cana, in Cana of Galilee, this whole wine thing, this is all very shameful. And it's shameful in a way that it would, today it would be a little embarrassing. But back then, it's like this is the thing that people will talk about for your entire marriage, right? And for people back then, and we kind of still do this now, we don't like to talk about it, but we kind of still think this now, that if something like this happens they would wonder and they would talk about what is, what is going on here? What, why is God doing this? This very shameful thing, what needs to be, what actually is going on? Like, why did this happen? What secret failure is God exposing by allowing them to run out of wine? Maybe, maybe the groom is having an affair already and he thinks he's getting away with it. Maybe one of the families harbors a dark secret. Maybe the master of the feast has been cheating on his taxes for 20 years and so God is exposed, is indicating that this is supposed to be exposed. What is it? Why is there no wine? What dark secret needs to be exposed and uncovered and discussed and analyzed and judged and talked about? And we are afraid of that kind of exposure. And we have mechanisms and we have strategies in our lives to avoid being exposed like we will tell. Have you ever done this? We tell these little lies that seem harmless. Like, have you ever said that you enjoy something that you actually don't to the crowd or have you ever pretended not to be interested in something that you were really interested in just to avoid suspicion or to fit in or to keep the peace. And then what can happen with that is we start to present a more and more constructed false self a false self that is all of me minus the parts that would disgust you, and then we pretend that that false self is our reality, and we pretend for so long that sometimes we can't even tell the difference. We hide from the light behind a false face. We avoid situations and interactions that might expose our inadequacies. We avoid the light. And sometimes, sometimes we try to forget to forget and to numb ourselves with things that are merely distracting or destructive or even dark and at the wedding in cana of galilee they had gallons and gallons and gallons of water for ritual washing and cleansing and they went through these rituals as a culture so that they could present themselves to each other and to god as having been cleansed and purified and justified and having no reason to be ashamed whatsoever. And like our mechanisms, these gallons of water were inadequate. They did not cleanse or renew. They did not bring life or peace. They did not bring true honor. I stood my shame bemoaning, you came to honor me. And Jesus told his mother, it is not yet my hour. It is not yet the moment when I will offer myself to cleanse the world from its shame. And yet, even though it is not yet his time, still he covered the shame for this couple. He took the very water that people use to pretend to be that the shame is washed away. He used that pretend mechanism and he used that water to cover, to cover this couple in honor to give them more honor than they had before. Because now the master of the feast comes up and is talking to them and saying, everybody else but you, you have saved the best for last and now this is what everyone will be talking about for the rest of this couple's marriage, how the wine just got better and better and better. When it finally did become his hour, his time of suffering and death. Christ died and shed his blood so that his blood and righteousness might be our beauty and our glorious dress. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her and wash her in the water of baptism so that he might present all of us to himself without any spot or wrinkle or dark thing or any such thing that we might be holy and without any shameful blemish. And the scripture says that he, Jesus, is not ashamed to call you his brothers and sisters. And God is not ashamed to be called your God. And he has prepared for you a city. And the scripture says everyone who trusts in him will not be put to shame. Because he has come to, isn't that a great experience? When somebody actually stands up for you when you're in an uncomfortable moment and somebody actually stands up and says, okay, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my reputation here to cover for this. I mean, that just feels so you love that person who does that for you. And that's what Jesus has come to do for us, to actually stand up for us in our shame and to own us and to say that he answers for us. Shame is part of the darkness. Shame is something that the darkness does to us. Shame is something that happens to us through the darkness, and sometimes it happens through our own participation in the darkness. And how do we deal with that? At the end here, in conclusion, I just want to, I'm going to offer you this, and I want to assure you what I'm not, I am not offering you another fake Easy, couple steps, mechanism to deal with bad feelings. I'm actually, I want to lay out for you in just a couple minutes what the scripture actually lays out for us as to how shame is to be dealt with in our lives. This is not an easy answer. You probably will have to think about this for a while. But Paul says, he says in and our second reading for today. He says, Take no, beginning at verse 11, he says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. It is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul is saying a lot of things here, but one of the things that he is saying and indicating is things that are shameful in order to take away the power of the shame. Things that are shameful should be exposed to the light. The light is the thing that takes away the power of shame. And he is not saying that you need to let the whole world into every corner of your life. But we should, and he's saying this, we must work with the strength that God supplies to bring to light what is dark in us, to expose it honestly, and that's difficult too, honestly, because we are used to talking to ourselves about these things in a way that's not always honest, but to expose it honestly to God's judgment and to his mercy. And of course, it can be even harder when the shame comes not from anything that you have done, but from something that they have done to you. When it's not actually, when the shame is not actually the result of anything that is your fault. And bringing it to light does mean to own it, and it often means to say it out loud, at the very least to God. This is the darkness that is connected to me. This is what they have done to me. This is how they have twisted me. This is how I have twisted myself. And I'm not saying this to be proud of it. I very much wish that it wasn't this way, but this is who I am, and I stood my shame bemoaning, but you came to honor me me. Christ comes to give honor for shame. We say that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to cleanse us from the stain that we feel as shame. And that line that we say at the beginning of the service is not just for that little bit at the beginning. That's the whole purpose of what this is all about. We come to liturgy, we come to worship, we come to praise, we come to word and sacrament, not to offer to God a false self, a self cleansed self, but we come to regularly receive his cleansing. This is part of this process. This is the thing that actually makes this process a cleansing. This is part of the old Adam in us daily dying and the new creation, and the new creature, and the new human daily coming forth, the cleansed one, the perfect one, the innocent one, the righteous one, the one that we will be in eternity, he comes to honor you. He comes to honor you and to forgive your sin. He comes to honor you and to give us a clean and cleansed conscience, because the thing that... The things that bother our conscience are often not the things that we have done, but the things that they have done to us. He comes to honor you and to undo, to begin to undo everything that they have done to you. In Jesus' name, amen.